I love being able to talk about brands that I use on my podcast, and I've personally been using this one for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help convert food into fuel and have the added benefit of supporting healthy hair, skin, and nails. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma10 and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any alive women's multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. There is a whole collection of black lead products at Walmart that can fit into your daily routine. And in every purchase, there is power. So show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long, because every time we buy a black led brand, we make room for another. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choice at Walmart. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products that you can add to your daily routine. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair and Anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the psychology of your 20s, the podcast where we talk through some of the big life changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show, welcome back to the podcast, new listeners, old listeners, wherever you are in the world, it is so great to have you here back for another episode as we break down the psychology of our 20s. This topic today is devoted to all of my overachievers, all of my former golden children, gifted children, perfectionists, the people who have grown up with the idea instilled in them that they needed to be the best, they needed to be the you know doing the most to have value, to be worth something. Today we are going to break down the paradox, the curse of being an overachiever, particularly in our 20s, and all of the pressure, the burnout, the anxiety that comes with it. Kind of with the hope that we can release ourselves from the expectations we have internalized that are holding us back from actually being happy, from pursuing the kind of life that we want in a balanced and healthy fashion. 
We, of course, are also going to explore all of the psychology, the family dynamics, the early childhood experiences that have made us into the person that we are today. And navigating, I think, that identity crisis that I think we all naturally experience as we age and we mature and we realize that perhaps this version of us, this overachieving version of us, is not really who we want to be. We cannot live up to the golden child expectation. I think growing up, many of us who are labeled as quote unquote gifted or smart or mature for our age were very much encouraged, if not pressured, to excel, not just by our parents or close family, although they are a huge contributor, but also by a society in general and our broader schooling and education system that placed so much value on success and tangible accomplishment. This value, this norm is so profound and and impactful that I think it actually becomes part of who we are. We were the ones who had to get an A on every test, who won every school award. We volunteered whilst playing three sports, working a part-time job, doing extra credit, constantly, you know, seeking the validation and the praise from our teachers and our peers and our families. I think from the outside, that gives off the image that we have it all together. And maybe we even enjoy the sense of accomplishment and pride that comes with it, even if we know what it's costing us. But a very common experience is reaching your 20s and kind of hitting a point of burnout where you just simply cannot be that person anymore. If you grew up always being an overachiever, it's a pretty rude awakening to reach adulthood or university or post-grad life and come across challenges that you cannot overcome by simply working harder. You no longer have the mental energy to be this version of yourself or a big one, a huge one is encountering people who are naturally just smarter than you or more creative or more talented and you experience somewhat of an identity crisis. You know, we are no longer this exceptional gifted child. And if you are not the gifted child, the golden child, who are we? Who are we really? So we're going to explore this transition today and all that comes with it. I think being an overachiever basically means you are someone who continually performs beyond what is expected or to a really high level that is often applied to academic success but it relates to things like athletic or sporting ability our creativity our entrepreneurship how many things we can seemingly manage to juggle at the same time there are some pretty clear indicators of what an overachiever looks like and although there is not one definition I think Psychologists often identify these types of people as individuals who focus on success, have an addiction or an obsession with success, but regardless of how much they achieve, they are never satisfied. They never feel like they deserve what they have, or they fail to see their own accomplishments and achievements from an objective perspective. When we think about it that way, overachievers are also typically 
perfectionists. These two personality traits come hand in hand and they do a lot of impressive things at a high level. They are constantly challenging themselves with new projects, but they simultaneously engage in a lot of excessive self-criticism. They have a tendency to berate themselves for failing to live up to their own high expectations. They have poor work or study life balance. They are only ever focused on the future. That is a critical component of being an overachiever. And more importantly, they are motivated by fear. Fear of failure, fear of regret, fear of embarrassment, fear of disappointing others, or maybe not living up to your potential. Maybe the person I'm describing is you. You recognize yourself in that description. It's probably something that you have slowly come to realize. But I think the curse or the paradox of being an overachiever is that because society typically rewards and praises people who work hard, who stretch themselves too thin, we think that our behavior, our overachieving tendencies, they can't possibly be bad right? You know, this can't be harmful if we are excelling and we're also getting praised for it. But this compulsion to push ourselves to our limits is really dangerous. And I don't think that it's part of a longer term equation for happiness. There was such a fascinating article published on this a few years back. So in the study conducted in 2019, these researchers surveyed over a thousand people who were earning over $200,000, who had obtained some form of post-graduation education, a master's, a diploma, a PhD, and they also self-identified as overachievers. They then asked these people three questions. Are you unhappy? Do you believe that achieving more will make you happy? Does the success of other people make you jealous or increase your level of unhappiness? Over half of these people answered yes to all of those questions. We think that tangible success and working really hard is going to make us happy, is going to create a fulfilling life. But actually what we're seeing is what these researchers called the superstar paradox, whereby the people who seemingly have it all are objectively really unhappy at times. I also see this a lot with people who work really high paying jobs straight out of university, like investment banking and such. And they always say, I'm just going to work really hard until I'm 35 and then I'll have enough you know, money to retire. Or I'm just going to work three jobs, all of these hours, f- as all of this year for as long as I can so that then next year I can rest. And rarely does that actually happen. Normally, when we get stuck in this cycle of overachieving, we're working towards creating our dream life, but we're never actually giving ourselves time to enjoy the life that we have now or enjoy that dream. So what makes us overachievers? How do we become these people? Oftentimes, I think with most things that cause stress or disorder or discomfort in adulthood, the original roots are in childhood. More times than not, this is the case. And I think that is the case here. It's likely that being able to work really hard to push yourself has helped you get to where you are today. Maybe you have developed it as a defensive or protective mechanism and you have 
derived a lot of these expectations from your parents, from your family, from your culture, from your environment. I see this a lot with people who are labeled as gifted children when they were younger. At some stage, someone has noticed or decided that you were above average intelligence or you had more natural abilities than the average person and that they decided you are going to do amazing things, that you are going to be exceptional and they begin to treat you differently. They expect more from you. You get put in accelerated classes, you get harder assignments, you skip a few years at school. Everything has to be better. You always have to give more. When that occurs, you are not actually getting the chance to be a kid, to just be a kid because you've been deemed mature for your age. So you're required to grow up faster than those around you and take on additional expectations, responsibilities, burdens. I absolutely despise the term gifted child when it's used out of context because A, I think, I know it sounds cheesy, but every child, every person is gifted. They might not just show it in an academic context or a school environment. And B, it's quite exclusive. It may prevent some kids from actually getting the support they need because they aren't termed as gifted. And C, when you label a child this, you don't let them figure out their own identity. You don't allow them to be anything but what you have expected them to be. And part of that is an expectation of accomplishment and success and accolades. Not everyone wants that the older they get. Kids, as they become adolescents and then adults, should be able to independently determine what they want from their life. And a label that comes with that expectation might not give them that opportunity. And there's been research on this. One of the most exciting pieces of like research around this was a eight decade long study, 80 years conducted at Stanford University, starting back before World War One. And what they did was they followed children who were very bright as kids for their entire lives, observing them every three years. And they identified this phenomenon known as early ripe, early rot. The researchers expected these formerly gifted kids to be happier, to be making more money, to be successful, to be fulfilled. And that was the case sometimes. But beyond the tangible success, many of the individuals that they watched actually faced significantly more emotional problems as they grew up. They reported that their self-concept was really excessively based on being intelligent. So they were really never given a chance to see who they were beyond that. They experienced a lot of self-doubt. They felt like they that their life path was kind of determined for them. And I think often when we prioritize tangible success over the smaller joys in our lives, we miss out on the things that actually bring beauty. We don't see our friends. We don't travel. We don't take time to rest. We don't invest in our relationships. It's really similar to what psychologists call golden child syndrome. So a golden child is someone who is considered special by their family and chosen as kind of like a proxy for their parents' own achievements. Unfortunately, this child must live up to perhaps unattainable levels of perfection because they constantly need to satisfy their parents, or in some cases, they kind of act as like a symbolic trophy 
for their parents to show off and so that they can kind of point to their child and say, look, we raised them, so we must be doing something right. They wouldn't be that smart, that talented if we weren't also smart and talented. So unsurprisingly, at that level, most psychologists suggest that one or both of the parents is probably narcissistic on some level. Maybe they're even experiencing parentification, whereby the role of the parent and the child is reversed. You have to support your parents emotionally by validating them through your accomplishments. But after a while, those standards that your parents have kind of forced on you become self-imposed. They begin to really matter to you because you have been exposed to them enough they have become repetitive so no longer is it I have to practice for five hours otherwise my parents will be disappointed soon it becomes what we call introjected motivation I have to work hard otherwise I will feel guilty even when my parents my family is not around even when no one is telling me to be this version of myself I have been indoctrinated into this ideology of success. That is how an overachiever emerges. This is super common within eldest children in particular. I think because so much family pressure gets placed on them to set the standard for younger siblings, they feel more of a responsibility to maybe support the family, to keep the family going. We could honestly get into a whole separate episode on what it means to be the eldest daughter specifically, but oh my god, that is a whole other psychological profile to dissect. We do not have time. But I also think that being an overachiever may have become somewhat of a survival tool for a lot of us when we were younger. There are three specific reasons for that. Firstly, your academic, sporting, musical accomplishments, whatever they were, they allowed you to please the people around you. And they were essentially a protective mechanism against anger or disappointment. If you were this perfect child, no one could find fault with you and you were safe. Secondly, being an overachiever may have enabled you to survive in a social environment where you felt left out. If you worked hard enough, you could leave your hometown. You could get as far away as possible from the people you grew up with or you went to school with. You could leave this kind of life that made you unhappy. It may also be that you used work and achievement and grades, whatever it was, as a proxy for self-worth and self-esteem. For many of us, I think our overachievement at the end of the day stems from feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. Maybe you didn't feel great in your own skin. You weren't the funniest person or the most attractive, or the most popular, or the most creative, but you could be the most hardworking. Therefore, we begin to conflate our self-worth, our self-concept, how we feel about ourselves with external validation. We need that, that buzz of being told that we've done well. We need to receive praise or awards. We want to be that person, that version of us who quote unquote does it all. So to give up being an overachiever, to give up working yourself to exhaustion, you would have to give up a really core element and foundation of your identity. You know, you do not know who you are without your accomplishments. I think this makes a lot of sense as well 
in the kind of society we're living in today, where we really do expect everyone to be exceptional and accomplished. And there is such a high degree of competition to get into university or to get that internship or that dream job. There's just also a general fascination with hustle culture, with success, with being a millionaire, with productivity. So in those situations, it may be why, despite feeling really exhausted, really burnt out, we continue to grind away. We continue to just keep working. One of the final reasons that is really significant is that we overwork ourselves as a distraction for the other things that we're dealing with. For example, I remember when I experienced like heartbreak for the first time, I worked so much harder in my classes. I studied more than I ever had before. I just like took on so many different responsibilities. And this pattern of behavior was actually a reaction to that deeper emotional distress and discomfort, where if I buried myself in work, it would mean that I never had to give myself time to really think about how I was feeling, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? So you exhaust yourself with a million commitments and goals and projects so that you don't have to see what you're really needing to deal with in those moments. At the end of the day, focusing on achievement, working yourself to the point of burnout again and again, for whatever reason, is a type of obsessive behavior. And obsessive behaviors are rarely what they seem at the surface level. Normally they stem from needing control, needing a sense of safety or security or to feel better about ourselves. So I think we know that, but a lot of people might make the argument that being an overachiever isn't the worst thing in the world. It probably isn't. You know, there are so many other things that do sit heavy on our mind. And I actually posted a video about this the other day and someone commented being like, you only hate on overachievers because you could never do what they do. Like, you're a failure, so you're just jealous. And I was like, you know, firstly, ouch, unnecessary. But secondly, that is not the point. You can still admire the things that you have been able to achieve whilst realizing that maybe you didn't need to push yourself to the point of needing to achieve that much. You know, the point here is these people may have everything that they have wanted. Everyone might think that they are super impressive and incredible, but are they really happy? What's the cost here? We are going to discuss all of that and more, also including how to heal that former gifted child version of yourself after this short break. I love being able to talk about brands that I use on the podcast, and this is a brand that I've been personally using for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive Women's Multivitamin Gummies, are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help you convert food into fuel. They also have calcium and vitamin D to support bone health and healthy hair, skin, and nails. And for those of you who may be watching your sugar 
intake, they now have a zero sugar version made with plant-based sweeteners, including stevia extract and monk fruit extract. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive Women's Multivitamin Gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any Alive Women's Multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. There is a whole collection of black lead products at Walmart that can fit into your daily routine. And in every purchased there is power so show black founders some love not just during black history month but all year long because every time we buy a black led brand we make room for another black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choice at walmart go to walmart.com black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products that you can add to your daily routine Our first time using something normally forms a lifelong impression, even if psychology says that impression is not always correct. For example, you may try a new food for the first time, realize you don't like it, and you're convinced for the rest of your life to never try again. Or the first time shaving or using hair removal cream. I think we can all remember that strong chemical smell of those old formulas, Well, that is about to change. Nair is the number one hair removal brand, and now it has a new and improved formula that actually smells amazing and does away with the need to shave or have a rusty razor on hand. I was honestly so surprised when I used these for the first time because I think the last time I used hair removal creams was when I was probably 18. There was nothing pleasant about that smell, but now with scents like orange blossom and Moroccan argan oil for their new shower creams and cocoa butter, oat milk, vanilla or water lily and aloe vera for their body creams, they actually make me enjoy the experience. So a story about this. The other day I had three of my closest girlfriends and my boyfriend over for dinner and we had this bottle. We decided we wanted to try it out. We wanted to get rid of some hair on our legs we all used the oat milk and vanilla body cream literally at my dining table we applied it we waited for three minutes they turned out so smooth even my boyfriend put some on his calf let me tell you that little spot is still silky smooth a week later he can testify this stuff works and we also agreed these new formulas are a game changer because not only can you actually get rid of hair it actually smells nice and it removes the hassle of having to shave every few days every few weeks it also is free of dyes it's free of parabens it's free of sulfates which is a big plus for me and I have to say again the new Spence actually smell really really good you can smell them for yourself try the reformulated nair body and shower creams available at retailers nationwide and online Ugh, our 20s the drunk dialing the forgetting to wash our face at night and yes neglecting our teeth don't do that last one you only get one set of teeth so you need to protect them pronamel intensive enamel repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid weakened enamel pronamel also makes a new mouthwash which helps to repair acid weakened enamel beyond brushing alone pronamel is the number one dentist recommended brand for acid erosion so buy pronamel repair any 
anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Being an overachiever is kind of like a drug because despite how destructive it is, you will undoubtedly receive praise. You will be rewarded for doing things that others cannot do or aren't capable of doing. And that praise, that admiration is something that we can't help but live for. It feels really nice to be recognized and celebrated. So there's no question that accomplishment brings a source of energy. It brings a source of strength. It's important to feel like, yes, I can do this thing. Yes, I have worth. Yes, I can bring something to the table. But the thing is, as overachievers or as recovering overachievers, you're not actually gaining anything from your accomplishments other than a sense that you'll need to work harder for the next. For the average person, achieving something gives them a sense of pride, it gives them a confidence boost, might even allow them to relax for a little bit, give themselves a pat on the back for a job well done. That reaction does not exist in overachievers, whereby our successes do not serve to reinforce our sense of self-worth or or feel comfort in the fact that we are doing a good job. They just create more self-doubt, whereby we constantly need to be one-upping ourselves. Or once we've finished maybe a huge project or a huge goal that's taken us months, we feel guilty for giving ourselves time to rest because that feels like time wasted. This really relates a whole lot to imposter syndrome, the constant sense of doubt about your skills, about your intellect, about your accomplishments, no matter how much you achieve or how much others tell you differently. Imposter syndrome is, to be honest, something I've personally struggled with for many years. I continue to struggle with it. I don't really have the solutions for you. But when I looked into the relationship or the correlation between imposter syndrome and overachieving, they are so intimately and closely related. Imposter syndrome is rarely, if not ever, seen in people who are underachievers. It's reserved for those who put a lot of pressure on themselves. When we are in that kind of place of innate self-doubt, often we experience what this author, um, her name is Claire Josa, she wrote this book called Ditching Imposter Syndrome. She has this theory known as the four P's of imposter syndrome. Perfectionism, people-pleasing, paralysis, and procrastination. The chances are, if you're struggling with the need to overachieve or you're wrangling kind of your past life as a gifted or golden child, you are experiencing some combination of these things, perfectionism obviously being a huge one, not being able to be satisfied with anything unless it's the best, unless it's perfect, including in some ways your life and always wanting or working for more. There's another consequence that we need to talk about here And it feels so obvious, maybe it's not even worth mentioning, but I do think that it's an important part of this equation, and that is burnout. Burnout is a state of complete mental, emotional, physical, social exhaustion that occurs when you have been pushing yourself beyond your limits for far too long. It leaves us more susceptible to getting ill, to withdrawal and isolation, despair, and just feeling detached and it's so common these days 
and obviously naturally comes about during really stressful periods. Like if you've just done all of your exams or you're in a particular busy time at work, sometimes we do reach a point of burnout, but overachievers have been pushing themselves for years. So it becomes chronic. And the real challenge is that burnout creates a really dangerous cycle because when you can no longer perform at the level that you've expected from yourself, you push yourself harder, leading to further exhaustion, leading to further self-doubt, and then further attempts to repair your self-esteem by working harder again, burnout occurs. It's this whole trap. It's a mental trap. And it's why I think a lot of overachievers leave high school or university and just feel completely lost because they are completely exhausted. I think the biggest illusion that we try and tell ourselves is that we can cure our burnout by just taking a day or an afternoon off. This study conducted a few years back, it was published in the Journal of Applied Health Psychology and Wellbeing. It found that it actually takes about three months to fully recover from burnout. Three months. Now, think how long it's going to take you if you've been in a constant cycle of burnout. I always say this, but if you don't give your body a break, your body is going to take a break for you and it is going to be at the most inconvenient time. I'm going to out myself here and say this happened to me uh, like a few months ago, maybe about a month back, where I was just so drained. I had the most intense brain fog. I couldn't concentrate for more than 10 minutes. And then, of course, I got sick. I got sick for about two weeks. And I think every time that happens, in hindsight, I can see the pattern of behaviors that have led me to that point. So I think all of these examples of the consequences that we face from being overachievers are important because I think for everyone there comes a day when we start to question our identity as this version of ourselves we start to wonder is this actually who I am is this actually healthy do I want to be this gifted child and constantly live up to people's expectations for the rest of my life and I think there are a few common experiences that almost act as triggers for us to realize that maybe our work ethic isn't you know isn't sustainable isn't as sustainable as we had thought or maybe that we aren't as exceptional as we as we've been made to feel so firstly encountering people who are better than you who outperform you no matter how hard you try And beginning to question, you know, am I actually special? What has this all been for? Secondly, of course, is experiencing burnout, uh, injury, illness, severe mental exhaustion. Thirdly, is failing at something that you've tried really hard at. I relate to this. I remember the first time I had to sit exams at university after like coming from a public school where most people weren't too focused on academics So it was very easy to do well in that environment. And then suddenly I was in an environment of all the kids that were the best in their schools. And I just was like absolutely floundering. I had this huge sense of, oh, maybe I'm not actually smart. Maybe I shouldn't be here. And I think the final trigger is having somewhat of an existential crisis about what you want from life and realizing that accomplishment is no longer making you happy 
all of these create an identity crisis. So an identity crisis, according to Eric Erickson, he's a very famous psychologist. He pioneered a lot of the research on this. It occurs when an event, a situation makes you reevaluate who you are. And part of this reevaluation is contemplating what actually makes you happy. What is your conception of a happy and a fulfilled life? What are your sources of motivation? What are you doing all of this for? All these hours, all these sacrifices, is it for personal satisfaction and growth? Or is it another element that wants to impress others or appease your family or another element of you that doesn't understand that your worth is beyond your output? I think um, I'm going to go back to that need to impress people because I think our need to use our busyness and our productivity as kind of like a marker of, of our worth is huge. I used to see this in my old workplace all the time where no one wanted to be the first person to leave. Everyone would stay back past five, even if they had like no work to do just to prove that they had a good work ethic, just to prove that they were a hard worker. Another way this shows up is like burying yourself in projects and never ending to-do lists. This is not sustainable. So how do we recover from being former overachievers? How do we reframe our relationship with success, with productivity, with our value? Firstly, you need to have some compassion for this past version of yourself and acknowledge why you are this way. Sometimes I see this all the time. When we identify things we don't like you know, about ourselves, when we identify old habits or or ways of being, we try and criticize ourselves out of it. We turn to like self-hatred or shame. I don't think there's any room for that here. You've already really put yourself through enough. Take some time to think back to your childhood or teenage self and just say to them, you didn't have to work that hard. You never had to be the best for me to still love you. You know, I'm such a huge proponent of inner child healing. And a big part of that is realizing and appreciating the environment and the factors that have made you who you are right now. Overachievement and all. You were not in control. You did not have a say. You did not get to decide what kind of values were imposed on you. So I think part of that may be by starting to realize the relationship that your parents had with success or the position they put you in as a proxy for their accomplishment or how you have conflated your value with tangible achievement. You have an opportunity now to be in charge. You are the parent now. Even if your parents are still alive and around and well, you are now the most important adult in your life. So you get to decide how you would like your future to be. But in order to undo some of those past beliefs, you do have to be nice to yourself to begin with. Part of showing yourself that compassion is, of course, giving yourself time to rest. I know this sounds common sense, but I also know that it can be really difficult when you haven't done that for a long time. There is such an intense guilt that we sometimes associate with taking a break, especially if you've been on the overachieving path for a while. For you, taking a break, taking a day off, in your mind is associated with choosing to be lazy or with the stress of deadlines that keep piling up. 
But if you take time to rest, you will work more efficiently. If you properly restore your cognitive functioning by letting yourself switch off, your body and mind is better able to operate. You have to remember, like, your brain is one of your most important possessions. It is priceless. You would not walk around with, like, a smashed phone that doesn't work and not get it, you know, get it repaired. You would not keep driving a car that only had two wheels and a faulty engine. You know, that is dangerous. So you shouldn't let yourself continue to operate when you know that you need rest or repairs. Practical ways to do this involves scheduling time off once a week, twice a week, once a day, the same way that you would schedule things like an appointment or study time or class or work. Make rest an immovable part of your schedule like your other obligations, because in order to overcome your overachieving tendencies, you need to treat rest and time off like an obligation. It needs to be something that is important to you. Thirdly, I would say clear your schedule and your life of the things that don't actually make you happy. You know, that volunteer position that you have, that extra credit or extra duty you're doing at work that you don't have time for, extra classes, side hustles or projects that you aren't really motivated by. Not everything can fit into your life at once. And it doesn't mean that you're quitting. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on yourself. It just means that you're actually helping yourself by allowing more space to be focused on really, you know, what really matters to you right now, by actually giving yourself permission to be happy and to have free time, recognizing that even if that thing is important to you, there will be time for those things in the future and redefine your ideas of success. I read this in the Harvard Business Review that some of the top kind of regrets of the people of people who are dying is living a life that wasn't truly for them and secondly working too hard if you don't question your motivations and definition of success now you might be one of those people how much more time are you going to spend in an everlasting state of burnout and dissatisfaction and exhaustion some really important prompts for this are the following and answer truthfully whether you're driving right now or you're at work or you're doing laundry pause and just answer these for yourself what would a good life look like for you in 20 years if you could only achieve one thing in your life what would it be if someone asked you for your definition of happiness what would you tell them And are you living this definition? Are you striving towards this definition? What would you want to do with your life if there was no one watching you? I love these questions because I think it turns the attention away from socially imposed ideas of success and accomplishment and allows us to actually reflect on what we want. It allows us to contemplate life on a more holistic bigger scale like achievement feels good but it's not everything getting good grades is not everything life is more than how busy you are life is more than just being the best life is more than being the last person to leave the office or being someone that other people think is impressive finally actually make a big deal out of your accomplishments this relates to what i mentioned before whereby 
overachievers often undervalue their achievements and normally they just have this tendency to move on to the next task, the next project, the next big thing. And it kind of feels like a bit of a rat race at that point. It feels never ending. You never actually sit down and give yourself credit for your efforts. If you got a big promotion, tell your friends, invite them over for a drink. If you got an A on your exam, go and buy yourself like an ice cream cake. Go and get yourself a little gift. You need to make a big deal out of your successes so that you don't forget them, so that you don't feel like you need to be doing more. And then when the imposter syndrome does kind of rear its ugly head, you can knock it back and be like, hey, no, I remember this really cool thing that I did a few months ago. This voice in my head is lying to me. Also, talk about your experiences as an overachiever openly. We need to be more honest with each other about the pressures that we are facing in our 20s, the pressures to be exceptional and the pressures to be the best. We have something to contribute. And I was speaking about this with my friends the other day when I was researching this episode. I was like, do you think that, you know, you were a gifted kid? Do you think that you had pressure placed on you? Do you think that you were told that you were too, you know, more mature for your age or whatnot? And so many of them, almost all of them admitted that they felt that way and were able to like kind of explain how that had had a bleed on effect in adulthood. It was such a catharsis moment to realize that you, I am not the only one that doubts our abilities, who never feels like they're doing enough, who is scared of the future, scared of wasting their potential. It is so much more common than we know. Really, it is so much more common. I know it's so cliche to be like, you are not alone. But I think sometimes when all we're focused on is our worth and our value and how other people see us and living up to expectations, being the best, we forget that there is a whole world out there where this doesn't matter, where we are just another person who is allowed to actually just enjoy our lives. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode from one former golden child, healing overachiever, victim of imposter syndrome to another. This topic was such an emotional release for me. Like I feel like I personally learned so much about what this means and what it means to be this kind of person to have this kind of personality so I hope that you did as well as always if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you are listening right now I read them all it really does warm my heart so thank you so much for all the love recently make sure that you're following along so you're notified when new episodes come out and if you have an episode suggestion just some feedback. If you have an opinion on this, if you are a formerly gifted kid and you have something to share, I would love to hear from you. Follow me at That Psychology Podcast. Shoot me a message. It's so great to kind of see that community growing. So thank you so much for listening along. As always, we will be back next week with another episode. Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair and 
anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock, one at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8am to 8pm with giveaways dropping every hour on the hour. It is the perfect time to try, like and share black lead products. It's free, it's for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black lead products that are creating a new world of choice at Walmart. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.